Hello and good evening, everyone, and happy Veterans Day. Everyone from the highest point on Florida State's campus and the hottest room in Seminole Sports, you are listening to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State, coming to you live from room 420 inside of Diffenbaugh. Save your jokes at the door. I am your host, Nicholas Carlisle, bringing you the latest, greatest, and Florida Statist in everything sports, or at least as much as we can fit within the hour for people all around the world of course you can find us on twitter at talk underscore tomahawk and you can call into the show at 850-644-1837 that's 850-644-1837 excuse me i don't know why i said zero that's obviously a seven it's been a long weekend for a lot of us here i'm trying something new with the pregame fanfare though to start the show um we were talking about man this should get us hype but it really just kind of makes us sad at this point in the season um Lord knows Florida State needs something to be hyped about. Maybe Florida State basketball is the answer. But, uh, we're a basketball you, school anyway. We're a basketball school anyway. Uh, <laughs> as you can probably hear by now, I sound a little bit different than normal, and that's because I somehow managed to get sick without traveling to South Bend and being in 20-degree weather. But uh, I was able to do it sitting on a couch at home uh, and save 300 bucks to go. Uh, reimbursed, of course, but apart from that... Um, it was unfortunate that neither Chris, Arya, or myself really uh, could go to that game. But if you follow us on Twitter, you would know that Luke Fay uh, was there covering the game for the station and the show, doing double duty for us, safe travels for him as he gets back into town tonight. He said that, what, it was the best credentials that he had ever received? Supposedly the best credentials, the best, one of the best stadiums he had ever been in. Not a, not a bad seat in the house. Apparently they came with free Chick-fil-A Free coupon. Chick-fil-A. Um, we're not saying anything, but uh, step up your game, Doak. Um, <laughs> don't, uh, don't, don't, don't uh, bite I, the hand that, I, that I, feeds you, man. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I am feeling a little bit under the weather, so I'm going to spread the mic around more than usual tonight uh, as I need some help from the panel, which I am in luck because we do have a very special guest tonight. But ladies and gentlemen, we have a pretty packed show as well. We've got a very interesting Notre Dame game to reluctantly go over and Boston College game to preview and a whole lot of basketball to talk about, so strap yourselves in. But first, what is a captain without his crew? I am joined tonight by my good friend and co-host Chris Camacho. How are you doing? I'm getting there. Uh, long weekend, both literally and uh, sports-wise it was long, but you, you not made, too bad. You made your debut on Friday night as I did. Uh, as as play by play for for playoff soccer here in Tallahassee. It was it was a blast. I had a great time. Uh, really thankful to Seminole Productions um, for for giving me the opportunity and a lot of people here have given me some encouragement. It was it was a good. It was rough, but. Uh, Nowhere, nowhere to go but up from here. So, now the uh, the keen listener would probably take a step back from last week's show and realize that we haven't talked to any Florida State basketball women's or men's this season, um, despite them both, you know, starting their season this past week. And that's because we were saving it for this week for this man, a very special guest tonight, former host of Tomahawk Talk and V eighty nine alumni, current voice of women's basketball, Mr. Arya Masudi. Knowing how disastrous this season has been for Florida State football, how excited are you that basketball season is finally here? Dude, I'm stoked. I'm stoked <laughs> to be back here, guys. Look at this. <laughs> well, I told you guys as I was walking in, the the, the room, the, the smell of V89, just everything just brought all these memories back, mm-hmm. and uh, I appreciate you guys having me. It really was four of the best years of my life, do, for sure. Do you, do you have a favorite memory here at V89? Is there one in particular you can share? Favorite memory? Head? Honestly, uh we went to the Rose Bowl uh, in 2014. Now, the game w- didn't go the way we wanted it to. Right. Uh, Marcus Mariota uh, just w- tore they, they tore us up. Um, but the trip itself was great. Uh, Misha Lawrence, shout out to her if she's uh, listening to the station. She uh, she funded myself, Andrew, too, and Ryan Kelly uh, really a couple grand to go to that trip in the West Coast. And hmm. 
that is that is something I'll always be indebted to her for. And you know, she was a huge supporter of us, and it was memories. You know, New Year's Eve in Absolutely. in California, in Los Angeles, and Pasadena. I was in uh, town. You can't you can't blame you, you can't beat that. And then uh, the next night. Uh, you know, while Florida State didn't win, uh, mm-hmm. to say you covered a Rose Bowl is pretty special. Absolutely. One of my biggest regrets uh, being a part of the station thus far is the fact that, well, obviously Florida State played Michigan in the Orange Bowl a couple years ago, and I decided not to go upon the reasoning that, oh, I'm sure Florida State's going to go back to a reasonable bowl game <laughs> while I'm still here. Uh, joke's on you. Joke's on me, and I am... <laughs> horrendously regretting that decision to not go to that game. You're course. telling me Shreveport wasn't a memorable bowl game? What? You well, mean you mean maybe sitting at home this December right. is uh, not going to be memorable? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not a, it's not one of my most proud moments. Look, man, Hoops is here for you. Hoops is here. Hoops is here. And finally, to his right return to the show, Mr. Jake Mossing, how are things with you? Things are great. I'm really happy to be here today. College football wasn't as exciting as I thought it would be this weekend, but Michigan got a 35-point win, so I'm happy. And, and Go J- Blue. Jake got was, a shout-out to them. Jake Go Blue. Jake was very, very um, – I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say angry, but he he was very adamant <laughs> with the, uh, the the I skipped it segment last week uh, when I, when I uh, made jokes on myself that I, I made just a horrendous call that Michigan was going to fall out of the top 25. And uh, Jake was probably, I mean, he wasn't on the show, but he was in the studio, and the look on his face was like, heck yeah, bud. I told you so. I was waiting all season for Nick to say that, and uh, Chris over there has some apologizing to do pretty soon here once we beat Ohio State. Oh, Oh, please do. Florida State made Urban leave Florida. I went to Michigan. Michigan, make them leave Ohio State. Come on, do it. Do it for the culture. Chris Camacho, Ari Masudi, Jake Mossing. Once again, I'm your host, Nick Carlisle, and we are starting off the top, which if you don't know, is the segment where I take a look at the previous weekend sports and pick a big story or topic and throw it at our panelists, forcing them to come up with answers off the top of their head at the top of the show. And tonight, the Jimmy Butler drama is finally over as the Minnesota Timberwolves traded him about three weeks too late uh, to a lot of people, to the Philadelphia 76ers for Robert Covington, Dario Saric, Jared Bayless, and its second-round pick in 2022. And a move that really uh, should give the race in the East a nice kick in the pants. Of course, we did talk about this earlier in the year, and I questioned Butler's true motives for a trade, whether it was monetary or if it was something else. Turns out it might have just been a combination of a bunch of things. Guys, just keeping it pretty simple today. I want your overall thoughts on this trade, winners and losers, and does this put Philadelphia as your new favorite to win the East? I'll start with Chris. Let's throw the baseball guy into the hot water first. Yeah, thank you. Like, I haven't been thrown into enough hot water lately. Anyway... (laughs) (laughs) um no honestly i well i I think it's good for both minnesota and philadelphia philadelphia finally gets that shooting guard that they've been looking so eagerly for and well minnesota gets rid of the the grinch that's been that's been (laughs) playing for them for the past three weeks so jake i agree with chris it's definitely a win-win the timberwolves there's a lot of problems there with butler obviously i've seen in the past few weeks and him being gone i hope i think that franchise will be able to rebuild now and on the other side of things, the Sixers are building and trying to get a title this year, but I don't think they can compete against the Celtics. Are you? Look, uh, if a guy doesn't want to play somewhere, then don't make him play there. Uh, Jimmy Butler, when you go and call out your entire team in a sit-down interview with, with ESPN, first off, that's a little Bush League. Mm-hmm. Second off, it's pretty clear that at that point, there's there's no way you can return to that roster. Right? You, you and that group of 12 cannot play together anymore. Um, they did the best they could. Jimmy Butler is an excellent basketball player. I mean, he is an all-star. He's one of the best 
in the NBA. Uh, going to Philadelphia was a good move. I think Philadelphia won that trade, uh, agree. To, to be honest. Um, and in the East, Toronto has looked even better than people thought. When they lost to Rosen, I think a lot of people thought they would take a step back. But obviously getting Kawhi has made a world of difference. I think they have like one loss right now. I think they're 12-1. Yep. Yeah, they're right. Boston's not going anywhere. I think that team is going to only get better. Uh, and then uh, that division, though, now – it's it's a little bit more open because Philadelphia. I'm I'm looking at the, the record. They're at eight and six right now without Jimmy. Mm-hmm. They've got some really nice pieces. Ben Simmons, obviously Joel Embiid. They needed they needed another uh, a wing scorer, so to speak, someone who can really open things up from from the two or three guard position. And uh, I think they've done that. Let's be honest. The West is the better division uh, than than the two. It's the better conference. But if you have any shot of beating Golden State or Houston, or I know Houston's struggling, but I bet you they'll figure it out pretty soon. If you have any shot of beating a team in the West, I think this move was the type of move that you needed it. And more more than anything, you got some divisional balance, right? A Western Conference all-star moved over to the East, and uh, usually you see it flip-flop, right? You usually see the Eastern Conference's best players go over to the West. So I'm glad to see it. I'm interested to see how it works out. Not to mention that most of the 76ers' losses this season have been on the road. They have been lacking that player that can give you those clutch buckets uh, on the road, and Jimmy Butler definitely presents that. But overall, I'll start off by saying that I uh, disagree immensely with how the Timberwolves handle this. I thought that Butler should have been traded ages ago, and quite frankly, the Timberwolves are lucky to have gotten the talent that they did from Philly in this trade. Now, some of you at home or in your car or wherever you are probably thinking to yourself, Robert Cummington and Dario Sarwich, who the heck are those guys? Well, to put it into perspective, Robert Cummington is the only player in the NBA to average two blocks, 1.5 steals, and shoot 40% from three-point range. I mean, he is the ideal 3 and D player in this league, and I think he was frankly overlooked in his time in Philadelphia. Dario Saric is having a bad year thus far, but this is this is a big man that can stretch the floor and has great passing ability. And since Carl Anthony Towns is now going to be the undisputed main guy in Minnesota, he's going to have to be able to really stretch the floor for this basketball team. With all that being said, Minnesota didn't, uh, necessarily win this trade, but they sure as hell didn't lose it. You know, I, I would say that they have come about as close to winning a trade in which they've traded, uh, which a team has traded away their superstar, than when the Pacers traded away Paul George for Victor Oladipo. And I'm going to say it again: I hate how the Timberwolves handled this th- this this trade, but I would rather have had the trade gone through before the season maybe get more options and offers from teams who were not set in the direction that they wanted to go, and then have the big surprise for this team, which has been Derrick Rose, kind of just happened out of nowhere. And I think that Derrick Rose was really a catalyst for the trade with how well he's been playing because of how much scoring he's been doing. In the mind of Minnesota, you're thinking, well, maybe losing Jimmy isn't going to detract as much as you think it is. But Minnesota did get some really good players in, and, and then they got out one very disgruntled player. As far as Philly's concerned, I agree with you, Jake. I don't think that they're going to outdo the Celtics or the Raptors, as Aria mentioned. Uh, my fear with it, really, with the team right now, with this trade, is that this is a young team that's not going to be quite ready to have another superstar on the team yet. Not going to know how to spread the ball, and of course, being a Miami Heat fan, I know a lot about that because you can remember how awful the Miami Heat were when LeBron, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh all got together for the first stretch of that season. But I do quickly want to add a quick third mystery team to the winner and losers in in this trade, and that is the Houston Rockets. Because they reportedly offered up their entire farming system for the next four years for Butler. That's four <laughs> first-round picks. And at the end of the day, they get to release Carmel Anthony, which hasn't happened yet. But it's rumored that it's going to happen. Uh, they probably lost a trade that they were never even a part of to begin with. 
So with that being said, that was the Off the Top segment brought to you by me, sponsored by me. Guys, we are just going to rip open the band-aid here. Let's talk about this Notre Dame game. I don't think many people thought that this game was going to go much differently than it did. Notre Dame, of course, winning this game 42-13, to a pretty large margin, but they also managed to win the award for ugliest uniforms thus far this season by about the same margin. But in all seriousness, this was another game in which it, it was a disaster from the start for Florida State. Francois throwing an interception, which, which was essentially a pick six as the Irish scored two plays later. The next two drives resulted in a punt and then a fumble by Cam Akers, which seems to be a consistent thing as, as neither Akers or Patrick have been able to hold on to the ball this season, which is is really concerning considering how well they held on to the ball last year. And there, there seems to be a fumble every game now. It's, it's really become a consistent with this football team. Florida State finds itself down by 17, and then they get a touchdown where he Aguayo uh, gets his PAT blocked and then returned for two points, which upon review... The most should, Florida State thing... Well, even even so, it, it should it should have been called a foul on Notre Dame on the play. But guys, two points wasn't going to change this game either way. What are your general impressions of the game from Florida State, Chris? Um, I think just looking at the game, it there were a lot of things that could have gone Florida State's way, as it seems to happen every week. But the the Florida State's problem has always been from the shoulders up, mentally. It's staying in the game. It doesn't help that their first turnover of the game was two plays into the game um florida state just has a hard time staying in it mentally and and i i'm just seeing a lack of confidence now in this team uh i i honestly don't see them winning i don't, I don't see them preserving that bowl streak so you're hopping on the bandwagon with me that, with they're, that they're not going to win another game this season i don't know i don't, I don't think so i'm so hopping on that bandwagon hopping on that bandwagon what, what else do you think about the game jake I was surprised about how how Ian Book was out of the game and the backup QB, now the starter, Brandon Wimbush, came in and really showed up. All the pressure was put on him and to preserve Notre Dame's number three ranking, and he really showed up in that game and took Florida State out within the first half. Yeah, you know, I was really disappointed defensively. I thought offensively it was going to go about the way it did. Um, the offensive line just hasn't hasn't been good enough this season for Florida State to have a consistent offense, right? They just that's where it all starts in the trenches. And when your offensive line is pieced together, I think I saw that was like the ninth different uh, five that they'd put up put out there to, to start a game. It's it's really tough. There's no tackles on this team. I believe like almost whoever they start at left and right tackle or guards. And so you've got people out of position. Your snake bit where multiple guys are injured. Dickerson and Minshew are pretty much out for a while. Um, and it, it, it's been it's been really one thing after another for that offensive line. So on offense, you know what, I, I kind of actually thought they played better than I thought they would offensively. They had a chance there. Uh, if they score on that goal line, it's 35-20, to 20, right, when in middle of the third quarter, and you're starting to think, you know, well, wow, this is, this is definitely a little bit different than we expected. I was disappointed more in the defense because that's the unit this year that I thought you could get more consistency out of, right. especially the D-line. And when you give up, you gave up 300 rushing yards, and and that to me, your strength for the first half of the year, you were top 10 in rushing defense. And over the last three weeks, well, two weeks, Clemson didn't run the ball on us. Over the last two weeks, NC State, who's a horrible rushing offense, and they're like one of the worst in the NCAA, was able to run for 175, and then Notre Dame's able to go for 300. That's a pride thing for me. Uh, it starts, you know, with a mentality, and I thought, you know, I thought the defense really let the offense early on with that turnover really kind of affect it. You can't blame the defense for having to 
to go up there at the, their own, what, three-yard line? Pretty much the first drive of the game. Mm-hmm. And then the, the fumble put them at, like, the 20. And so that's just – that's hard. It's tough for a defense to have an offense like that, but it's all about pride. And I just didn't think that they stepped up to the challenge. And uh, at this point, yeah, it, it's going to be about – can Florida State believe that it can win its next two games? Because Boston College and Florida are both beatable opponents. These are not the, – the, the three games that you thought were pretty much unrealistic were the three that you just went through. These two are at home. Boston College could be without its starting quarterback. Uh, and Florida – let's be honest, Florida's, Florida's not a great football team. This, isn't, this is a, a football team with a bad quarterback and uh, a shaky morale in their own right. They've, they've got a pretty mentally fragile team as well, so – You'll see what happens. You got two games to to make it back to the bowl streak, and and of course, speaking more on the defense, you know, bad field position has been a constant theme for the past couple of games now, and you can't exactly pin that all the defense. But if you were watching at home like I was, you probably saw the the statistics flashed up on the screen, or at least mentioned at some point in the broadcast. One hundred and forty eight points allowed in the last three games. Are right, when you could one one can argue that at one point or another the season the defense has looked really good, one of the better defenses in the nation, as you said, more specifically one of the best defensive lines in the country. Harlan Barnett has proven to be a pretty capable defensive coordinator, but Florida State was absolutely gashed by the running game in this game, and and for something that has been notably been the, the team's biggest strength, it was right out exposed in this game. The secondary look lost. I mean, A.J. Westbrook, who is supposed to be a leader in, in, the, in the secondary, still has not learned to turn his darn head around when the ball is coming his way. I mean, I, 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 w- I would argue that those two initial touchdowns, or the, pe- the passing ones, could have been negated, could have been blocked, uh, patted down if A.J. Westbrook simply turned his head. And that's something that as a senior uh, safety, you would think that he would know how to do at this point. But, uh, Jake, I know it's a very multi-layered question, but what has happened to this defense? Is, it, is, this, is, it, is this just a complete mental breakdown or is this something else? Is this fatigue? Because let's be honest, this defense has been on the field quite often. Yeah, I think a lot of it is fatigue, and a lot of it is they're just tired. They, I feel like some players have given up this season. And what I go back to is the Clemson game. And in the first quarter, I believe, they were driving down the field, and we stopped them, I think, on their own 20 or 30-yard line. And then they're about to kick a field goal. It's going to be 3 to nothing. We're in the game. Florida State's in the game. We're pumped up. And one of our players decides to rough the kicker. And from then on, it was all over. And our defense has never been the same since that point. So you point to the Clemson game, but I really think it happened sooner than that or earlier on. I think the turn for this football team really happened with the Miami game. And I know that, you know, Aria, you and I and Chris and Luke were talking after that game. And when we were talking, we generally had the, 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 the consensus that, well, I think that, w- that we thought that Florida State in some capacity was going to be able to use that loss as, as a way to improve the football team and learn from it. But... I would really argue, in hindsight, it being 2020 as it is, I think that loss was really something that just broke this football team because Florida State has never looked as good as it did this season except for that Miami game. So in the minds of the players, you start thinking, well, we played our best football and we still lost. So I I would agree with what you say that these players have given up. Now, granted, they're not giving up like they did with the Clemson game where they just completely stopped playing. I think they've given up in the, in, in the mental capacity that it's like, okay, I want this season to be done as soon as possible. Right. They're ready to I, move on. I want this to be done. I want to go back to work. I want to you know, go to practice and fix everything. I'm tired of getting my butt beaten every single week. Uh, but the other big question and, and why I referenced 
you know, ending the season and going to next year already, James Blackman. We, we talked last week on the show about how we all thought that Blackman probably should start this football game. And it became a question of whether he was going to use his redshirt or not. And I believe I, he- I heard Clint Island say something to, to the effect of, you know, Blackman was asking to be redshirt this season. However true that is, I'm not sure. I haven't, I haven't specifically read anything upon that, those lines. Mm-hmm. But having Francois play the entire Notre Dame game, it certainly looks like Blackman is going to be redshirt this season is there is that what you're getting from this as well Chris or is there any 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 chance you think we see him I mean that's what it looks like but the truth of the matter is Blackman doesn't necessarily need to be redshirted you've got Sam Howell coming in next year who will most likely redshirt I think um and Blackman I I I think if he's redshirted this year he should def obviously a lot can happen over the offseason but I would not be upset if he got the starting <laughs> job next year um Blackman has has been the better, more accurate quarterback. He Francois had a lot of throws uh, in the Notre Dame game and in recent history that have just are either overshot, have overshot a lot of these receivers, um, and they're just throws that I think Blackman is better equipped to, and has proven that he can make. Yeah, I mean, I think at this point it's pretty obvious that that it looks like James is going to be the. Uh, beginning that red shirt um i'm not i'm not sure um what the the more the, the the reasoning is behind that i agree with you that he probably doesn't need it um right now but you know uh, this isn't from any inside info i don't know but you know if, if say one day james and us uh, and uh the sam howell go up and, and and they're they're competing correct and uh james gets beats out uh, gets beat out then you know he has the option to transfer and if, if he would like to transfer having that extra year to play Two, you'd be eligible for two years upon going to your new school. I'm not sure that that's what's going to happen. I'm just saying that that could be a possibility uh, in this day and age of college football where it seems like tra- the new NCAA rule that uh, allows the transfers uh, this easily. So either way, uh, I'm not sure that you know Francois is the problem right now. I'm, I agree with Taggart that there's a lot of things that you know are, are really affecting him. Francois threw about seven or eight great passes against sure. Notre Dame, and they were dropped. I mean, there was there was a couple. One to Ontario Wilson that that's a touchdown if you catch it. You're running in stride. He just drops it. Um, Tamari Ontario had a really disappointing game for someone who is looking like uh, a superstar at this level uh, to have that kind of relapse and uh, to play poorly like that. I thought was disappointing. And you saw a couple throughout the game. So that and whether Blackman or Francois at quarterback right now, the offensive line just can't block. I mean, and it doesn't matter who's there. They're all going to get hit over and over again. And uh, you just wonder. You, you wonder what's going to happen these next two weeks. But um, we've seen DeAndre play pretty well at times. I mean, there's he's had some really special games in his career. Um, and so uh, let's just hope that, that things improve and, and we can finally win these final two games. Although, listen to this. I mean, the as as we've talked about the offensive line is play, they only gave up one sack. Granted, it was for 12 yards. But, right. I mean, that's I guess that's – also got to look, look at. I mean, I don't know if that that's available, but there's also how many times was he hurried or hit? Um, because I know FSU's offensive scheme now they've they've tried some things to get the ball out of the hands very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of you know, NC State doesn't give up a lot of sacks, but that's because Ryan Finley doesn't ever have the ball more than three seconds in his hands. So um, that's that's one way of negating pass rush is get the ball out of your hands quickly. <laughs> and so we'll see. Yeah, I think I thought the offensive line actually against Notre Dame, while it wasn't great. It was one of the better performances that they had. There wasn't a lot. There wasn't a lot of just, like, turnstiles going, you know. Yeah. So I guess that's a positive to, to move forward from. And 
Um, I know a lot of people, a lot of people really want this bull streak to continue. Um, and for me, I just, you know, yeah, it's, it's a number, it's a big deal for bragging rights, but for me, if it's, if it's forcing the staff to play older guys that, um, won't be a part of your foundation for the future, Mm. are, are you, you know, is this preventing some of these younger players from getting the experience necessary? You know, what if we were two and whatever right now what if the bull streak was already over you'd be seeing a lot of young guys playing getting experience for for next year and that's valuable to me um so it it is it's kind of like you're weighing what's more important is it the the future of your program and these young guys that are freshmen and sophomores that need more reps and getting in or is it that bull streak and depending on who you talk to they'll have a different answer each time i'm I'm just curious because considering how taggart's premier year has gone i think he's just looking for that one saving grace and I think if he can hold on to that bull streak, that can be the one thing that he looks back on and says, yes, we had a terrible season, but the bull streak is still alive. See, I, I don't think Taggart needs a, a, as much as the Florida State public wants to make a martyr out of Willie Taggart for the season that this Florida State football team has had. Look, I, I've said it on the show before, and I'll say it again. It's almost like Florida State fans have forgotten what an actual rebuild looks like. <laughs> They don't well, understand. There hasn't well, I mean, been there one. has not been one since 1976. Right. So, at that point, you got to take a look at what what Taggart was given. I mean, and I and I've said it on the sh- this on the show as well. You don't truly know the absolute disarray that Jimbo Fisher left this football team until you've seen the way that this football team has performed this season. And I'm a, I would I was going to agree with you, Aria. I would actually prefer if the bull streak ended this season. I, I think that the, the the potential mental side of it being like, okay, so Florida State was able to salvage the season enough to continue the bull streak. Maybe that's good enough. Good enough isn't good enough anymore, at least for this football team. They need to find that culture change that Willie Taggart is preaching so much about and is trying so hard to change. And it's going to really kind of get the, the cogs running on this rebuild that has been trying to happen so far this season, but we really kind of just see it get, almost get like pushed back and back as more and more problems try and develop. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the penalties because the penalties have been one of the biggest problems for this football team this season, but it wasn't necessarily that big of a problem in this football game. I think there were only five penalties for 60-something yards. For uh, No, for Florida State, they had... Five uh, five penalties for thirty five yards. Not bad. That's not, not bad. Was it the previous two weeks? It was like fifteen and sixteen. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Ridiculous. <laughs> but for the first time in this season, I felt that the coaching was not good, like really, really not that great. And I felt it's, it especially harmed this football team when Florida State was on the cups of scoring. Mm-hmm. And you talked you talked earlier about that that fourth and one or something on the goal line. I'm under the camp that you take the points. I mean, you're coming off a couple of interceptions, or maybe it was just one at that point. You're coming off an interception. Tide is seemingly starting to go in Florida State's favor. Take the points. Your defense is playing the best that it's played all game. See if you can get a stop. See if you can get yourself back in the game. Instead, you get no points. Notre Dame gets momentum back. Rush down the field. I personally didn't agree with that call. Maybe people have a different take. We are about halfway through the show right now, so we are going to take a quick break. We do have Alex Krutchik on the other side with the Time Honor Tradition 707. We'll make sure to get that ready for you. We're going to take a quick break. You are listening to WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State.
Welcome back to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. It's time for the Time Honor Tradition, the seminal segment brought to us by Alex in the Shark Tank right now. Are you good to go, Alex? Get a thumbs up. Yes, I am, Nick. All right. What do you got for us, bud? All right. After Saturday night's 42-13 loss to Notre Dame, Willie Taggart says quarterback DeAndre Francois will remain the starter for the rest of the season. Many fans were clamoring for James Blackman to take his spot after putting up 421 yards and four touchdowns two weeks ago against NC State. He also earned ACC Offensive Player of the Week honors. However, Coach Taggart says the move to start Blackman two weeks ago was only because of an injury to Francois. Taggart said, quote, I think any quarterback is going to struggle when you have a lot of drops and you can't get in a rhythm. He went on to say that Francois isn't the problem with the football team. Francois threw for 216 yards and an interception last Saturday. Blackman has played four games so far this season, meaning that he is meaning that the true sophomore is still eligible to get redshirted for the season under new NCAA rules. FSU needs to win their next two games against Boston College and Florida to clinch bowl eligibility for the 37th consecutive season. And Florida State women's soccer won their first round first round game last Friday against Loyola by a score of 1-0. The lone goal came in the 52nd minute on a shot from Anna Patton. Patton hit a one-timer off a pass from Gloriana Villalobos. FSU's next game is this Friday against USF. If FSU wins, they will stay in Tallahassee for the third round and face the winner of the game between LSU or Southern California. The Knolls are looking for their first NCAA Tournament College Cup since 2015. That'll do it for Seminole Segment. Back to you guys. Thanks, Alex. That was some great work. Yeah. The, the James Blackman situation is, is incredibly interesting. A lot of fans were calling for Blackman um, to start this game. And as we, as, we, as we saw on Saturday and as we said on the show, Francois did get the start, much to our surprise. What we're talking about during the break is the potential uh, of what the Florida versus Florida State 
game could hold, seeing that Florida State can beat Boston College this, this upcoming weekend. How big of a game would that be? Florida State having to beat Florida to get there to continue rather that bull streak. I think it goes back to what, what Aria was talking about again during the break, but it, it's it's a game for pride. That you that is not it's not a game that you want to lose the bull streak on. You would almost rather lose it lose this Boston College game that's coming up rather than lose it to Florida. Right. So looking forward to that next week's game at uh, uh, or with Boston College, Florida State does have a good Boston College team coming into town. Uh, this is a team that embarrassed Florida State last year, 35 to three. And every year up to this year, where we've had multiple blowout losses, there was almost that kind of continuing theme with Florida State football of, a, of an embarrassing blowout loss that was completely unexpected. Uh, a couple of years ago, it was versus Louisville. And uh, the, the last year, it was uh, against this Boston College team that is more or less very similar. Obviously, a, a solid defensive team. It's kind of fallen off a little bit this year, only 54th in the nation in total defense. But obviously, if you're Florida State, what you need to be petrified of at this point is A.J. Dillon with how porous that run defense has been the past few weeks. Dillon rushed for 149 yards and a touchdown in the game last year. And this year, he is 64 yards away from 1,000 rushing yards this season on just 178 attempts to put that in perspective cam Akers has a little under 400 yards less than dylan but only has 44 less carries so chris i know it's it's bad to already start talking about damage control but what's the damage going to look like this weekend is it is it going to be more of the same for for this defense uh this past week or will defense tighten up a bit do you think i i think it i think it depends on how they can, they're able to you know uh, box in aj dylan whether or not they can fix their run their run defense their rushing defense um unlike they did this past weekend aj Dillon, as you mentioned has been fantastic all season long i think uh we probably won't see very many uh much of it much of an air game or much of a pass game from boston college i think it just depends on if the defensive line can kind of snap back into the into how they were at the beginning of the season yeah um this weekend versus clemson boston college quarterback did not look so great he was just lobbing balls in the air and as Nick said earlier their running back is so has been so dominant this season I don't see them passing the ball so our defense our rush defense really needs to step up yeah I think for me it depends on if Anthony Brown plays or not uh, for Boston College uh, in the past BC hasn't had a whole lot of uh, capable quarterbacks um, he's no by no means is he a, as a, a gunslinger but he's given them the element of, of play action and being able to accurately hit some players. So um, when you have an offense like Boston College does, they want to pound the ball. You know, they'll rush the ball probably 45, 50 times a game um, and, and try and wear you down. It's very slow-paced. Uh, they, they get in a lot of big formations, a lot of eye formation, three tight ends, two tight ends. It's just that's how they roll. And when you have an A.J. Dillon behind, you know, a, a very good offensive line who's very physical – good things usually happen you're able you're able to control the game you've got a pretty stingy defense um, and you find ways to grind it out so for me this is going to be a pride game for Florida State too it's going to be physical in the trenches and if FSU's up for the challenge I think FSU can limit Boston College's offense um, again the last few weeks FSU hasn't had a lead and so can we get a lead can we can we believe that we can win this game um, at any point you know early on because if you get into the third quarter and you're still trailing Typically, this team has shown that if you're trailing by 10 in the third quarter or fourth quarter, it's probably going to 
increase. It's not going to decrease. It's it's really kind of a funny situation of, well, there's good news and bad news, and which one do you want to hear first? (laughs) The good news is that Boston College quarterback isn't that great to begin with. He might not even play. The starter might not even play, as you said earlier. He went to the hospital, I believe. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Again, Clemson put him in the hospital. Well, So well, I mean, those, put those Florida State season in the hospital too. Those Clemson defenders, those are some <laughs> big boys right there. Let me tell you. Um, but as I, the good news is that well, they're not going to be throwing the ball. Secondary kind of gets a day off, sort of, and especially with how porous they've been over the past couple of weeks, you could say it's much needed. But on the other, but on the other hand, you know, you have AJ Dillon in the backfield, and the Florida State run defense has not been good. We've said it a couple times on the show already. It's really a good news or bad thing, a bad news kind of thing, and it's. We're really going to be up to that battle in the trenches. It's been that wave a couple times this season. This defensive line for Florida State is the best part of this football team. Are they going to show up this week? Florida State has a 35% chance to win this game, which seems low. That's as high as it's been in how yeah, many I, weeks? I, yeah. right. I, which, which seems <laughs> low until you remember that, according to ESPN FBI, the Knowles had a 9% chance to win last week versus Notre Dame. Uh, Jake, what, what are the Knowles going to need to do to have a chance to win this game? In a nutshell, we need to get rid of our penalties. They've hurt us both on the offensive and defensive side in the past few games, especially defense. So I think with that pass game not being there, we can negate those 15 yards that uh, the, more. our opposing teams have been getting. So I think that'll be a big help. Really, really like the 45 yard pass interference penalties that aren't passing the field. <laughs> right. Uh, those, those definitely, of course, it really feels like. Uh, the quarterbacks don't exactly have control over that sometimes, <laughs> but uh, uh, Arya, the, the offense, mm-hmm. we've talked about how bad it is. Everybody knows how bad it is. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to realize how, how, how awful this offense could be, be at times. How, sh- how, should, how should Walt Bell go about attacking this Boston College defense? So they, they have a really good defensive line. Uh, Zach Allen is probably one of the best defensive ends in college football that nobody knows about. Um, he is a gem. He's probably a first-round draft pick. Um, while the rest of the college football world doesn't know about him, NFL scouts know about him. Um, they're really good. They're really co- well coached. Uh, Steve Adazio is an excellent head coach. He has built this program from scratch. They they really have his personality. Um, they're very tough-minded, blue-collar kids that play the game the right way. So for offensively, I think you have got to get good field position. You cannot you cannot start trying to go 90-yard drives. Um, there's a propensity for this team for whatever reason to bring the ball out of the end zone and, and they start and then, and then right start at the fair, 10 and then fair catch balls that he has correct we, we have to get to the 25 <laughs> I don't think we've shown that we can do better uh, right now so I would like to see his fair catch and uh, have to drive that way but you're gonna need your guys to make one-on-one plays I, I don't anticipate that we'll run the ball all that effectively this week um, I don't know we'll try We'll, we'll, we'll try it. Um, I thought we had some signs against Notre Dame of some, some decent runs. Uh, the wild cam being brought out mm-hmm. was, was pretty cool. I was wondering why I like we didn't. That. I wanted wild, to see more of it. Um, but, yeah, I think if you can get a couple of turnovers in this game somehow, um, not that Boston College is a really high-risk team. Um, they don't throw it a whole lot. Dylan doesn't fumble the ball often. But if you can get a short field here or there, maybe a punt return from DJ Matthews that gives you a shorter field, um, that was the recipe in the first half against Miami. They got some short fields. They didn't have to go 70, 80 yards. And uh, you know what? We'll see. If the offensive line gives Francois some time, I don't think Boston College has a great secondary. And if you give him some time, I think Tamarion Terry, DJ Matthews, uh, Nyquan Murray, those guys could have some some decent days. And more than anything, though, Nick, 
you, I said this earlier. Florida State has to find a way to lead this game early. They have to find. They have to believe that they can win this game. And this team is so fragile mentally that you have to go into halftime or the third quarter with a shot. They, they, they can't. They can't be blown out in the first quarter. I mean, against Notre Dame, the game was essentially over in the first what seven minutes of game time. Right. By the eight minute mark of like the first quarter, it was fourteen <laughs> nothing. Yeah. And it's like, well, it, this is probably it. So, get a lead. Give your crowd something to, something to cheer for, and uh, maybe maybe then you can uh, you can find your way back. You, you mentioned a lot of wide, oh, the basically our wide receiver core there, and you're right. They have they have a chance to have a great game coming up. It's a matter of whether or not they can get their hands on it and not drop balls right. because that has that has plagued this wide I'm, receiver I'm hoping, core. I'm hoping that the, this past week was it was because it was 20 degrees outside right. and these, these guys didn't know how to handle I'm I'm hoping. I don't know. Sure. And obviously probably that's an excuse, but I'm hoping. I'm hoping balmier weather uh, will help them. But unfortunately, this isn't the first time we've seen it all I season. Agree. Especially yeah. against Clemson. They were, they were terrible. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. so – Again, I think this team. Again, you guys have already all three of you have talked about it. This team is mental. It's mental for this team right now. Um, can they go through this week's practice and believe that they have a shot, or are they going to just, you know, there's a difference between hearing what the coaches are telling telling you and listening mm-hmm. to what they're saying. Are we at the point in the season where this team still listens, or are they just hearing noises and uh, doing what they want? So we'll see. Yeah. All right, predictions, gentlemen. We got to get on to some basketball here. What do you think for this game, Chris? Honestly, just based on recent history, as I said, I don't, I just don't see it happening. I don't see it going Florida State's way, but I think it's going to be a close game. Uh, let's make it. Let's give it twenty-four uh, seventeen, Boston College. I will take Boston College thirty-one twenty-four. I think it'll be a little closer than most of us think as well. My he- my head's telling me that that Boston College is the favorite here, but. You know, uh, I'll go with my heart on this one, and uh, until until I'm otherwise proven that this team can't make a bowl, um, I do agree with both of you guys. It's going to be a close game, um, but I think I think Florida State will find a way. It's really hard to lose four times in a row. Um, I, I just don't believe that this team will do that for whatever reason. I've got a feeling they're at home again, where I think they'll play they'll play well against a team not named Clemson, um, and uh, I'll go I'll go Florida State 27, Boston College 23. Well, <clears throat> call me the pessimist or call me a realist. I like to think I'm the realist in this situation. Uh, I'll be surprised if Florida State scores more than 14 points this game. I don't think that it's going to be a particularly good day for the offense when it's never a particularly good day for the offense. I think that A.J. Dillon is going to run the ball down Florida State's throat, and I think he's going to do it all day. I think that it might be close for a while, but... At the end of things, Florida State's offense is going to be what it's always been this season, which is the Achilles heel, and it's just not going to be able to produce when it needs to. It could be Boston College 27, Florida State 14. I'm just going to call that pessimism right there. You think <laughs> that's pessimism? Well, <laughs> I, issue, I issue the challenge. I want Florida State to prove me wrong. I want Florida State to come out and show something that this fan base hasn't seen much of this season, and that's life. That's, that's fire, some passion. I, I want this team to prove me wrong. There's your challenge, Florida State. I don't pick you to win this game. Prove me wrong. But okay. on to more happier things. <laughs> Florida State women's basketball. You were starting to wonder why we had you here. <laughs> All right. No, I'm, uh, first, I'm happy to be here. First time, first time women's basketball hasn't been ranked in a while now. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, this is a very, very young team, four incoming freshmen. The women are already off to a, a 3-0 start. 
All right, obviously you spend a lot of time around this team. Yeah. This is your wheelhouse, and I'm kind of just going to let you go off the leash here. Uh, this is a new team with no Shaquille Thomas. What 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 can we what can we be looking forward to this season? What can we expect from the squad? Yeah, I think it's a lot of young, talented players that are getting their first taste of uh, the college level. Um, I know Florida State had a, a the number six recruiting class coming in. All of five of their players that they brought in were top 100 recruits. Um, unfortunately, uh, Isabella Nicoletti, uh, who was supposed to be our starting point guard, tore her ACL in the uh, in the summer, and so that really hurt us. She was a McDonald's All American. Um, was really going to be a special player, and I still believe she will be. We just have to wait uh, a year for her to get healthy. Um, she's doing well, though. She's she's able to put pressure, and she's running uh, on, like, uh, what's it, like the anti-gravity uh, machines that they have for athletes that are pretty cool. You can, like, I've run on 60. Yeah, you can run on, like, 60% it's or fantastic. something. It's kind of cool. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. It's wait, so what? cool. They have an anti-gravity treadmill in the School of Sports Medicine here at Florida State. It's in it's in Dope Campbell. Uh, and literally, you get into this vacuum. It's almost like a vacuum treadmill. You, they've attached a suit it's to cool. you. It's cool. Have you used it before? No. I've, but, I mean, you've seen it. Thank God I've never needed it. <laughs> yeah, right. No, that's true. But um, what's his Jerry Latimer, who's the head great of- Great guy. Yeah, a great guy. Uh, he, he let me use it because I was doing a feature on sports yeah. medicine. And I ran with 50% of my body weight. It was like it was like running on the moon. I don't know how to- It's describe. cool. It was really cool. So, yeah. So, she's been on that and- um, Valencia Myers has been really good for Florida State early on. Um, ACC just only, Freshman of the Week? Yeah, that? she was ACC Freshman of the Week today, and uh, she's had a couple double-doubles, and she, she was big against Florida uh, in, that th- in that third and fourth quarter when we came back and won. Um, more than anything, we just don't have any seniors. We've got limited juniors. I mean, just Naja Wolfolk and uh, Nikki Ikamu uh, are the two players that have had experience on this team. Um Kaya Gillespie is the transfer that she's she's I mean she's instant offense has really has averaging like 20 points a game so far this season she's really good Um, she had 19 versus Florida she did yeah and she's had almost she had two double doubles to start the year and then had nine rebounds against Florida so she's she's a beast I mean she reminds me in the men's game of like a Carmelo Anthony type player Mm -hmm. she she really can get shots from wherever she wants it's high volume so she'll shoot like 20 times a game Um, she makes 10 of them Mm -hmm. she's having a big night so this team will, will will get better as the year goes on. Our schedule isn't as hard as it's been in the past, so uh, Coach Sue's done a good job of helping them build into their ACC schedule. But, um, yeah, this isn't the same team if, as, as you're accustomed to for the last few years, uh, but it'll be fun. It's it's a lot of puppies that we're going to watch turn <laughs> into dogs. Yeah, the Florida State not playing a ranked opponent, at least in the way that the, the rankings are currently, not playing a ranked opponent until Thursday the 24th of January against number 5 Louisville. So you, you mentioned that there's no seniors on this team. Where do you expect the leadership to come from? It's going to have to come from Ikamu and Wolfolk. I mean, they're the two juniors. It's not going to be any of the freshmen. Uh, the, the, they're still just trying to figure out the speed of the game and uh, where to be at all times and, and how to move in the offense and in the defensive schemes. But uh, it's going to have to come from Ikamu. She's she's really good. Nikki, Nikki has next-level talent, and uh, she's, she's kind of, you know, in the past with big senior classes she's kind of had to be a role player but this is her chance now to step up and she's had some she had 31 points in the season opener against <laughs> Troy so she's she's special I, I really believe it and uh, we'll see how it goes this is this is a team that isn't deep we've only got nine players uh, that are available right now to play and uh, we'll see how it goes it'll be an interesting year it's certainly really exciting I, I think that's my biggest thing is I, I'm really excited to see how coach Simaru Handles this how it handles this basketball team. It, since I've been here, Florida State has been a powerhouse. Not to Absolutely. say that they're not to say that they're not a powerhouse now. Yeah. Sweet sixteens are the expectation. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that's that's every year. That's yeah. the expectation. Which Obviously, is what made that that loss to Buffalo last year. 
in the um, the hard in the postseason. That's so difficult. That, <laughs> that was sucked. they got caught on a bad night. Buffalo yeah. didn't miss, and mm-hmm. FSU I think shot like twenty percent from the floor, I and that was that, one yeah. of the worst shooting nights I've seen, uh, in, with my time in my time watching them. So. We'll see. I mean, they've been a few minutes away from two Final Fours. Sure. I think the the two Elite Eight games that they lost, uh, both to South Carolina. Gosh, they're frustrating. Uh, (laughs) Both to South Carolina have been by, I think, under five points each time. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Florida State, a few years ago, led with two minutes left. So Sue's been close to knocking on the door. And um, I think in the next two or three years, with the the young kids that are really talented, I think this is the type of talent you need to break through and uh, with this class that they she did bring in and the one next year which has two beasts um they're gonna be pretty good yeah back to what i what i, I mean i well, since i've been here th- this team has always had a, a guaranteed superstar at, at some level you know right. there's always been a Brittany brown there's been a shakela thomas and there might be a, a nikki kuma you know yeah but she's she's played extremely well thus far next level talent as you say but i'm just so excited to see where where Coach Sue carries this team, mm-hmm. there is that expectation of the unknown. We are, we are, as much as these freshmen are learning the college game, are learning this team, learning about the Florida State culture. We're learning about them, and that's just so absolutely fascinating to me. As high of expectations as we have for this team, I also really expect more from the fans too. This is a team that is, as we as we've said, has is really good year in and year out. Um, just really hoping for for more fans. To show up as well, it it was really upsetting because I think the highest turnout that Florida, that Florida State women's basketball had last year was against Notre Dame, again nearly um, ten grand. Yeah, 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 and and it's again caught on a bad day, caught on a really bad day. I I don't know the specific statistics for that game, but it got beat pretty bad. Yeah. I remember that it, it was, was a, more than twenty five points. Yeah, it was, was a that lot. deficit. It was a lot. Yeah, yeah. Going off what Arya said, Florida State's the ninth youngest team in all of NCAA women's yeah. basketball with an they average are. age of 19.4. Yeah. So if there's some rookie mistakes this year, I won't be too upset with them, and I'm excited for what the future has to hold. Okay. God, I feel old. <laughs> 19.4, yeah, they're young. Uh, they're really young. I thought, I thought by the way, that the game against Florida was big for them um, yeah. because for the first time all year they were put in a position, uh, and very early in the mm-hmm. year, they were put mm-hmm. in a position where they needed to be mentally sharp uh, situationally. Deep in that fourth quarter, it was a close game. Um, we didn't know how they would respond. These young kids, it's the first close game you've played in. The other two have been blowouts by the third quarter. So I, I thought they responded well. Uh, Valencia Myers was, was kind of the catalyst mm-hmm. uh, of that comeback. We trailed by 10 at some point in that right. uh, second quarter. She scored six right. back-to-back. To back to yeah, that? Sue Sue implied this, uh, this half-court trap uh, mm-hmm. coming out of a timeout that just messed with Florida and it helped us cut the lead to one at halftime, and then really we, we put our foot on the gas pedal and we were able to hold them off at the very, very end. Um, but good for them. It was it was a young bunch of young kids learning how to win, and I think that's a skill in its own right. Just as shooting and rebounding and defense, I think learning to win uh, is a skill too, and uh, it's big. It's big. We'll see what happens. Switching over to men's basketball. Oh, that's the f- that's really fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're not young. <laughs> They're not young at all. Lot, lots of eyes on this team this year. Lots of eyes, especially after after a surprising Elite Eight run last mm-hmm. season, and then even more surprising in the off season, the transfer of promising young center in Obiagu. I think that caught a lot of people off guard. Yeah, it did. And, and he's now at Seton Hall. But other than that, this team still has the centerpiece centerpiece of last year. Still a, a very together squad, a very old in quotation marks <laughs> squad. Don't see a bunch of Uncle Drews running around out there. See a lot of Uncle Phil Kofers. Well, I mean, he's he hasn't played yet, but. He's one of the older guys. Terrence Mann is back. 
looking looking really good. Mm-hmm. You know, MJ Walker is getting off to a promising start. PJ Savoy is hot from three, and and this team, Chris, taking out a pretty capable Florida team pretty handedly in their first game. Absolutely, I th- I think that Florida game was essential to showing the country that okay, this team is still they are st- they can still play up to those to that expectation that the that they had when they made that run to the Elite Eight. Um, PJ's PJ Savoy, you know, he showed his perimeter shooting abilities in that uh, in the postseason, and he's still showing it today. I think that was a big problem that this Florida State team had in the regular season last year, was nailing those threes. Um, PJ Savoy has played a big part in that, and I think Trent Forrest will as well. I think the team chemistry is going to get even stronger this year. I mean, last year I actually attended a game in March Madness and watched Florida State. I was State. about to say, you attended a game? like. <laughs> yeah, I watched Florida State defeat number one Xavier, I believe. Wow, that's pretty cool. It was amazing, yeah. Your big blue, though, ha- handled them. Right, yeah. <laughs> wow. I was, uh, it was a little bit of happy, sad moment there, yeah, you know, you. win-lose, but it's okay. It was Jake, a... did, I, did I tell you I hung out with, uh, what's his name, with Mo? Mo, Mo yeah, yeah, that's yeah. awesome. He's a great for guy. Like, for like a hot second, but, you know, Ooh, he's a cool so guy. Cool, Chris. I know, oh, well, it was for my internship, <laughs> but anyway. Anyways, during that game, um, there was some problems, I would say, on the, on the court. Two of our players, I can't remember at the time what happened, were arguing, and um, coach had to take both of them out. So, However, we didn't lose many guys this year. They came back to win the game, as shown. So they can, as they're struggling under adversity, they can come back as displayed last year. And this year, we didn't lose a lot. So I think our chemistry and our bond is going to be even stronger. And and I think and I think and I'll let you uh, go after this. Sorry, I think the really, I I want to say convincing thing. That's not exactly quite the right word. I guess it's it's the really interesting thing. I guess is that. You know, we we were here a couple years ago when you had a team with Dwayne Bacon and Jonathan Isaac. Jonathan Isaac, a top top ten pick in the draft, supposed to be really good. Obviously, he hasn't exactly panned out in Orlando, but he's supposed to be really good. There was really a bit of a power struggle with that team. There was no firm leader, and it felt like okay, so it's half his team and half his team. There is no we. I felt that last year, that the team felt more like a we than an I, and I still feel that way about this team this year. And that's really and that's really encouraging for this team when you have high expectations like these. Yeah, I think uh, one of the first things you t- you can see when when you watch Florida State basketball is that those players love each other. I think the culture is in a really good spot. Uh, Mike White, the head coach for Florida, echoed that sentiment. He said that you know Florida State's culture is 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 really good right now, and that they have a bunch of guys that like playing with each other. Um, they're older, and uh, more than anything, fellas is. In college basketball, experience wins. Uh, Villanova won the championship last year. Yeah, you have to have talent to, to, to be pretty good. But they were older kids. I mean, they, they had a bunch of older guys, and uh, that's what it usually takes. It's, it's not that, you know, you don't see Kentucky a lot win the national title because it's a, bunch of fr- it's a bunch of freshmen that are playing up against older veterans in the NCAA tournament. The teams that you see upset top seeds are usually teams with veteran guards in the NCAA tournament. And so this year Florida State has Trent Forrest, who's a veteran, They've got P.J. Savoy, who's a senior. Terrence Mann's a senior. Kumaji's a senior. Phil Kofer's like 85 years old. <laughs> and, you know, you've got, you've, got, you've got everything. I mean, you've got a little bit of everything. You've got shooting. You've got phenomenal guard play. C.J. Walker transferred to Ohio State, not because C.J. Walker wasn't capable, but because Trent Forrest was set pretty much to take a lot of minutes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, C.J. saw the writing on the wall and, and 
I mean, I don't blame him. Went to a, a better situation for himself. So good for him there. But I'm, for glad, you, I'm glad you brought that up because, yeah. I, because I mean, I didn't forget about C.G. Walker, but it obviously right. I, and I, so, I show so then, what does Florida State do to keep this theme going? They go and get a graduate senior, David Nichols, who's uh, who's played right. over a hundred college basketball games in his <laughs> career. So this 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 basketball team is is older. It's got veterans. M.J. Walker is the only five star talent on the roster. And uh, he's a sophomore who's who's already looked way better than he did a year ago. And I thought that game against Florida highlighted the team's chemistry. Florida is really talented, guys. I think they have like nine blue-chip players, which means you're either a four- or five-star recruit. But those guys still didn't look like they had been playing together for a while. They were figuring each other out, and that's just, it was a horrible matchup for Florida to have to go into Tallahassee against a, a, an Elite Eight team that is bringing 80% of its roster back. Um, and FSU kind of just took them to the woodshed. And I think that's where I'm most excited is that when you're older, you don't make mis- you don't make as many mistakes. Mm-hmm. You don't need to be taught certain basic fundamentals of basketball. Now Leonard Hamilton can start implying game-specific schemes, right? Do we want to play zone at this point? Do we want to play trap? Do we want to do this? Things that help you win individual games rather than I still need to get these guys experience. And so I'm, I'm very excited about this team. This team's ceiling is when Phil Kofer comes back, uh, let's let's mention that they beat Florida without Phil Kofer. Right. Um, when when he comes back, I think if, if knock on wood we get good injury luck the rest of the year, I think this Florida State basketball team it has a chance to do some special things. So talking about experience, I'm I'm curious what you think about this Duke team. They're freak shows. I mean, it's a freak show. I mean, it's a freak show. Zion Williamson's like, you know how every ten years you have one player, you're like, man, he is just. He is just something we have not seen this decade. Mm-hmm. Zion Williamson's that player. LeBron was a decade ago. Um, before that, obviously Jordan. You, you see this kid, and you go, "We we don't we haven't seen a 285 pound offensive who, lineman who, that who, athletic." You start with the question, "Who can you compare him to?" No one. And when who you, who when, is he when, like? When you blank on anybody that even ref- that his game even hardly reflects, that's when you know that you have something special. I mean, some people say LeBron's athleticism, but, like, he's 285 pounds. LeBron's not anywhere close to that. Mm-hmm. I, I just I don't know that we've seen anything like it, and it's no. it's fun. Yeah, we're seeing freak shows. I mean, I mean, you see Porzingis came into the NBA, and no one thought a 7-foot-1 guy could handle the ball, mm-hmm. and then he does it. No one thought Anthony Davis could do the things he did, and he does it. No one thought – the first time Kevin Durant hit a 3 at 6'10", people were like, <laughs> were like, who is this kid? And so I, I think it's fun. I think it's good for the game, and mm-hmm. – Duke just adds uh, two other five-star talents to the to the mix too, and that is about all the time we have. That's a it's a pretty good stopping point. Thank you all so much for tuning in. For Jake, for Aria, for Nick, or for Chris, my name is Dakar. I've been your host. This has been Tomahawk Talk on WVF's Tallahassee, the Voice of Florida State, new release.